he just like pulled the car over and like just got the kid by the throat, just slammed him up against whatever wall he was behind. Oh He's like, if you ever try to talk to my daughter, if you ever come near my house, I will kill you. What is up? It's the Uncomplicated Podcast Welcome. episode. 10. Yeah, I was going to say nine. 10. So 10. So are we wrapping this thing up at number 12 or, or what? Because I, we promised to do 12. We're doing 12. Uh, tell us in the comments if this has been helpful to you. It helps us know whether we should keep going or not. The encouragement means so much to me. When so I see much. you guys share this stuff or, or even when you ask questions, like totally gets me excited. So yes. uh, how this works is if you have a question about faith, uh, the Bible. Life. Yeah, life. Anything you can think of that feels complicated in life. Here's what we believe. We believe that God never intended faith to be complicated. Yeah. We're complicated because totally. we're people, mm-hmm. right? We're complicated. But, uh, and relationships are complicated, yep. right? There's like, uh, you can, on your on your social profile, it could be like relationship status. It's complicated, <laughs> right? And sometimes because we're complicated and life's complicated, it, our relationship with God can be, yeah. but that, that, it's not supposed to be that way. Right. And so the whole thing is how can we keep things uncomplicated? And that's the goal of this podcast. we got some questions. Yep, we do. Let's get right Let's to them. jump into it. Number one, how do I know the Bible is real? That's a great question. Good question. And I get that question all the time. Yeah. And I think, who, what kind of person would ask this kind of question? I think it could be a handful of different people, but maybe one that is exploring yeah. Faith. They're genuinely seeking. Yeah. They're they're they've heard of this God and Jesus and Bible and they're just figuring it all out. Um, another person could be questioning their faith, like maybe they had faith. Yeah. And um and if the they Bible's read real. something that maybe they didn't love or they question or hey, what about this? Or you know, the yeah, the accuracy of it. Sure. So like if the Bible is real and they could just kind of anchor into that, right. then their faith is going to be stronger. Totally. Which, to be totally honest, you're not going to know if the Bible is real or not. There's no way to prove that. And by real, we mean written by God. Right. Right. So so it's Inspired real. Inspired like word of God. Yes. Yeah, it's right I there. Mean, but I mean, I, I mean, I mean, it, did God really have a hand in putting this thing together? And so let's do some Google Let's get some, I mean, I can go, I can give you five oh, reasons off the top of my head. I'm going to, I could spend the whole podcast talking about this because my life is literally dedicated to teaching the Bible. So yeah. I'm going to love this question. Thank you for asking. Uh, I got Eric on the keys. Eric. Hey, what's up guys? One of the smartest guys I know. Yes. Uh, he told me he had a hard day at work today because something about the Pentagon and rockets, <laughs> something about something pretty serious. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> he builds <laughs> rockets for a living or something. He's the smartest guy I know. So between Eric's mind and the World Wide Web, would you just put together <laughs> some, I don't know, give us some stats. Weigh me down when you got some cool stats about the Bible. Here's what I know off the top of my head, all right? Okay, is the Bible real? Well, the Bible is the oldest piece of literature on on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. It's written across, I want to say, 1,500 years. Ain't no book in your Kindle library <laughs> or in any museum that's that that was that 40 different authors, yep. and correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, wrote across at least 1500 years mm-hmm. three different continents yeah um three different languages poets priests kings warriors farmers prophets i mean 
everything you could think of, yeah. God chooses these people to put together this one book that is just the congruency, just the 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 the, the, the just the lack of contradictions, the same story mm-hmm. the whole time with the with the prophetic accuracy yeah. built in, you know, it's just unreal. So I would say the uniqueness of the Bible demands investigation. Yeah. So like, do I know the Bible's real? Well, there's no book like it. So I would start with the miracle that is, how did we get such an incredible thing? The second thing I would think of is, well, the Bible's changed my life. <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, there's no book I've read you know, how about you want to speak to this? I yeah, mean, I mean, there's no the other Bible book that I feel that reads me. Like Ooh. as I read it, um, every single day, I've read the same book for pretty much my whole life. I and, read it every single day, and I, I promise that when I read it, I feel like it is so timely. It's so, you know, I, I get something from it every single time, and it's different. Yeah, like. You know the the word of God we we often say is alive. Like right. it feels like it is just it, it's nothing. It's no it's not like anything else we I have another no other book I've ever read. Like it is so it's timeless. It's timely and it those is are such promises a from the Bible that right that the that that this is God breathed. It yes. says in Second Timothy three sixteen or like in Hebrews it says like it's alive. You mm-hmm. know. So weigh me down, Eric. You got anything fascinating for us? Oh yeah. ChristianDefenders.org says among the most popular discoveries are the Dead Sea Scrolls discovered in 1947. We've seen that. We have in Israel. Yeah, in the caves of Qumran, Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, They provided conclusive evidence that the biblical record is accurate. Yeah, so basically these scrolls that were found in a cave, if I remember the story correctly. Yeah. Kid throws a rock in a cave, hears a clanking sound, goes in there, these pots. These pots have been holding all these hundreds of scrolls. They take these scrolls, and they were perfectly preserved because of the temperature of the pots and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. And they unroll these suckers, and they're like, dude, this is exact copies of thousands of years ago, the Old Testament writings, and there's no errors between the two. So crazy. The, and the, the lack of errors and mistake in the copyists of the original manuscripts is unlike anything. Because like you look at any of any literature that we have as like... Homer's Iliad or any of this old stuff. Sure. We're looking at copies of copies of copies. Right. And so when you when you backtrack and find something that old and you compare it to what we have now, you're like, dude, God's hand has been on preserving this. And right. so yeah, that's a great one, Eric. But um yeah, I think I think the uniqueness of it, mm-hmm. I, if you want to know the Bible's real, it's, I would think that the, the accuracy of it, I would think personally what it does in our life. Yeah. How about a uh, biblical prophecy? Yeah, biblical prophecy. Talk about what that is, a little bit. What is biblical prophecy? What is prophecy? Prophecy is um, the foretelling of things to come yeah. in the Bible. And um, there are so many things that were prophesied um, in the Old Testament that happened in the New Testament. By that name. Like, by uh, name. Like Isaiah prophesies that a guy named King Cyrus, <laughs> by name, is going to free... <laughs> they're captives from Babylon. And like 450 years later, they're looking it at their happened. scroll and they're like, dude, King Cyrus, right. this is the guy. And like, it happens. And, yeah. but the big one is, uh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's always this legend in the Bible that there would be, that God would come to earth. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's so many prophecies, right. Where he's going to be born, how he's going to die. That right. is going to be betrayed, betrayed, right. Everything, yeah, city, mm-hmm. uh, everything, uh, so I'm trying to think of all the the prophecies. Uh, 
the, the name of the town he's born in, <laughs> how he's going to die on a cross. Um, man, there's so many things. And this guy, I'll never forget this. Look this up. What, what would you look this up for me, Eric? Look up uh, Dr. Peter Stoner, and the book is called Science Speaks. And I downloaded this book. Um, when I prepared teaching on this a long time ago, I'm all excited about it right now. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> man, it's prophecy. Uh, I'm getting so excited. Nerd alert. I'm so <laughs> such a nerd. Dude, I can tell you about the prophecies. <laughs> um, so anyways, <laughs> nerd alert. The the prophetic accuracy yeah. of the, so there's all this stuff said about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Peter Stoner takes eight, eight of the things that he's going to be born in Bethlehem, that he's going to be betrayed, he's going to die on the cross, blah, 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 blah. Takes it. And he says, the likelihood of eight things coming true. He was a mathematician, right? A college professor. The likelihood mm-hmm. of eight prophecies about one person in all of human history ever coming true is like one in the 10 to the 17th power. Yeah. 100 quadrillion. Is that right, Eric? Absolutely. What, what is the number? <laughs> 100 How quadrillion. You nailed it. Yeah, it's a one, a 100 quadrillion. <laughs> 100 quadrillion. Yeah, okay. 10 to the 17th power. Yeah. Which is your IQ. Um, <laughs> so so he says this. Peter Stoner goes, to give you a frame of reference, that's like covering the state of Texas two feet deep in silver coins. 100, was 100 quadrillion, 10 with 17 zeros after mm-hmm. it. You cover the state of Texas two feet deep in silver coins. That's how many, that's how big that number is. You take one of those coins, you write an X on one side of it, you drop it from a helicopter. You mix up all the coins. You send a blind dude in, and the blind guy gets one shot at picking the one coin. That's the likelihood that those just eight prophecies would ever be able to come true about any one person ever. Wow. So so you read the Bible, and you see the archaeology lining up. Right. You see it changing your life personally. You see a buddy just sent me this week of something that they discovered, like, you know, a buddy of mine uh, was talking about Egypt and some stuff that came, and I don't get into it. Anyways, and there's just always this stuff coming up, and it's mm-hmm. like, wow, there's no contradictions here. There's there's just continuing faith is just being built over right. the years in the accuracy of this stuff. And then you get down to the fact that that people are willing to die for this belief yeah. that their life has been so changed by the scriptures that they're willing to give their life mm-hmm. for this and die for the scriptures and so um yeah so how do i know the bible is real you don't you don't but maybe those are some things that would help you want to i I would just you know jesus says matthew 7 7 seek and you'll find knock and the door will be opened ask and, and he will answer i say take those kind of things that i gave you and just go on a hunt and yeah. figure it out for yourself you want to add anything i mean i would just say to this person that's seeking out like continue to read it yeah test test it out you know see if it speaks to you and and uh, I think our entire relationship with God requires faith Um, but the Bible just gives us something to stand on and so um, it's such a great gift something that we love so much and it teaches you about who God is and so um, what about this this is the New Testament the uncomplicated New Testament. Uh, let me brag on you for a minute. Justice. But this is important. Justice um, wrote like, I guess, would you call it a forward? Like the beginning part, there are 10 um, 
big faith questions that maybe feel complicated. So if you are new to following Jesus or have questions about faith, this is such an incredible resource. My gift to you. Okay, so go to justicecoleman.com and put in there right there on the homepage. It says, I want a Bible. I will send you a copy of the New Testament. The first part, like Maria says, does God have a plan? You know, who is God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? What's worship? How to pray? All that kind of stuff is in the beginning. That's my my contribution. But then the actual word of God is 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 this is the New Testament. So so cool. You You worked really hard on that. How do I know the Bible is real? Start reading the scriptures and see what happens to your life. (laughs) I mean, if the Bible delivers on the promise of changing your life, then I got to start for you. So, and it's kind of got a nice matte finish. You worked hard on that matte finish, made sure it was right, right, right texture. It was good. (laughs) Smells like black licorice, actually. Scratch and sniff. No, it's not scratch and sniff. Okay, here we go. Second question Should Christians own guns? Wow. Should Christians own guns? There you go. Do you own a gun, Maria? How do you feel about guns? What's your experience with guns? Experience with guns is quite limited, to be honest with you. I grew up in Texas, and uh, everybody and their mom has a gun, um, including my mom. I think she has multiple <laughs> guns. Um, so uh, well, I didn't grow up in Texas. I was born in Texas. I moved here when I was like three. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my house had guns. We had guns in different rooms. Yeah. And I didn't know where they all were, but they were there, and that was part of the... That was part of it. Yeah. So I bad I didn't have any, uh, we didn't have guns in our home. Yeah. Um, yeah, never had guns. Dad was not a hunter. And uh, why would somebody own a gun? Maybe they're hunters. Maybe they like to uh, go kill their food. I don't know. My dad, I, my dad had a pretty lousy dad. He talks about it, yeah. you know, and I said, do you have any good memories with your dad? And he said hunting. Yeah, I, he go, I heard him say that recently. He said, I would go hunting with my dad. So yeah. good memories. He would kill it with the gun. He'd eat it. Another another person might want to own a gun because uh, they have like a farm and they got chickens and <laughs> there's foxes coming in, you know. Got to protect their livestock. Keyword being protect. Huh. Any experience with guns? Um, I have one story and it happened to take place in your home state of texas where you were born um i think it was about 17 years ago and we were in texas visiting your family and we were driving from east texas back to dallas and your mom asked me to drive her car because i think we had an rv we had a bunch of stuff and east so texas is 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 farm farm texas farm texas yes dirt roads yeah, it's yeah. the country yeah cracker barrel <laughs> it's cracker barrel <laughs> Country Corner and Cracker Barrel yeah, in man. East Texas. Yeah. Yes. So um, we were, yes, we were driving and like dirt road countryside driving. I'm such a city girl. So I'm just, I'm just out of my element. And all of a sudden this deer runs right in front of the car and I'm like, Whoa, freak out. I slam on the brakes and all of a sudden I'm already like freaked out because there was a huge animal in front of my car. Um, but as I slammed on the brake, something slid from underneath, uh, the driver's seat and hit my foot. And I kind of like calm down from the deer, it runs off, whatever. I look down and then I begin to freak out again because there is a gun in the vehicle under my seat and I'm like there's a gun in the car there's a gun in the car what do I do like 
instantly I'm like, I'm going to get arrested. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm a rule follower. I don't know anything about guns. So I kind of freak out. And I'm like, ah, ah, and I like hot potato it a little bit. Like, what do I do with this thing? This is your first where time can I, where can I put this? I don't know. It's like, am I going to shoot myself? I just, I don't know. And so I'm like, oh, glove compartment. I can put it away. So no one will, can tell that there's a gun in this car. So I open the glove compartment. And a second gun falls out of the glove <laughs> compartment. And I, you're like, it's okay. It's Texas. Everybody has a I gun. Not, how do I not remember this story? Because it probably didn't phase you. Because no you have no memory of this. Because you have the worst memory, but you also like grew up around guns. Like for me, this was like, Correct. felt like an illegal weapon in my car that could injure anybody around me like it just felt very we weren't driving down we weren't driving through la we were in a no there was nobody for miles you know wide open spaces is the name of a song in texas for a reason there's just nothing (laughs) around anywhere just deer and dirt road your first experience with a gun yes was two guns two guns in the car i I happened to be driving i I was 15 dude and i was driving my mom's car i like took it out and i wasn't supposed to be driving it i think (laughs) and i'm like i don't think i have a license and i hit the brakes same thing dude gun hits the back of my feet and i reach down i'm like dude i'm driving this car with no license there's a gun in the car i need to get home but you weren't in texas you were in the city okay yes so so, that was my only gun experience i grew up with guns in the house shooting guns with my dad that kind of stuff no big deal for you, totally foreign. Totally foreign. Um, that being said, the person who's asking this, should Christians own a gun? Why are they asking that question? Why are they asking, should I own a gun? There Are there Christians that believe that you shouldn't own a gun? Yes. Yeah, of course. Totally. Mm-hmm. Because what are the teachings of Jesus? Not violence. Not violence. Not violence. Right? Mm-mm. Jesus says if you live by the sword, you, you die, die by the sword. You die by the sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, big Jesus takes the nonviolence to a whole nother level. Yeah. Jesus not only does not take, (laughs) does not even retaliate against his enemies. Yeah. He is willing to die for his enemies. Yeah. So it doesn't get more nonviolent than Jesus. Right. He actually uh, hangs on a cross, giving his life for Mm us. And the guy who's stabbing him, Father, forgive them. Forgive him. He knows not what he does. It's radical. Yeah. So <laughs> let me look up something in the Bible. We'll talk more about guns. I'm going to look something up. I'm gonna look something uh, up. Talk more about guns. I'm the one that doesn't know much about guns. Um, oh, Eric has something for us. So hit us with some some stats, yeah. some, some good info. It. Yeah. So I, I was looking 40%. So this is PewResearch.org. I like Pew Research. Yeah, so do I. Uh, it, it's 40% of U.S. adults say they live in a household with a gun. Okay. Okay. 30% of those people report actually owning one. And then, of course, uh, which I thought made the most sense, personal protection tops the list of reasons why people would own a gun. Yeah, gotcha. that makes sense. So 10% of people are not reporting that they have it out of the 40 that own it. And number one reason they say, those that report it, it's for protection. Just pulling up the old uncomplicated version of the Bible if you want this. Here's, <laughs> here we go. No uh, plug, no plug. And, th- and the Bible says in, in Romans 12, you know, he says, never avenge, verse 19, yourselves, dear friends. Wow. Never avenge yourselves, dear friends. That'll challenge every single person that's ever felt like someone betrayed them, took mm. advantage of them, feels like the boot is on the neck of the... If it's possible, as far as it rests with you, live peaceably with everyone. Never avenge yourselves, dear friends, but make way for the wrath of God, for Scripture declares it is for me to avenge. I, that the Lord says, 
revenge, thus saith the Lord, right? Revenge, belo- revenge belongs to me. Rather, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. There you go. If your enemy is hungry, don't shoot him. Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him to drink. Give him to drink. By doing this, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Never be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Conquer evil with good. Yeah, the NIV translation says, overcome evil with good. The way of Christ is love your enemies, pray for your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, turn the other tree, go the extra mile. So if your idea of owning a gun is, you know, tied to your right Mm. to fight with this gun, violence, and you're looking for something in the Bible to give you that permission, you're going to have a hard time. And a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the struggle with guns and that conversation really comes down to an identity that's, that's probably not totally American or Western, (laughs) but you know, picking up your rights definitely feels pretty American, American. <laughs> to me. We grew up in this world, yeah. Maria, that's like stand up for yourself and stand, stand up for up. your rights. And, and then, that's celebrated yeah. in the way of Jesus would say, that's lay t- down your rights. Yeah. It's pretty uh, counterintuitive to the way we've all been conditioned in the great country we've grown up in. But I mean, it's all about my rights, my choice, my, you know, what. I have the the right to be mad. I have the right to avenge this. I have the right to control this. And Jesus never talked about, I mean, he did. It was lay him down. So one conversation is violence, right. which the scriptures is clear. Mm-hmm. The other side of the conversation about guns is what about protecting yourself or protecting others? And we do have a responsibility to protect people who can't protect themselves. Yeah. Right, so stand up for people that can't should stand up Christians for own a gun? What if this is like a like a a a a, a, a woman mm-hmm. who has drama, scary drama with an ex husband, and she wants to have a gun in her mm-hmm. house in case this guy comes back? Right, right. It's a different, it's a different conversation, conversation. Right, mm-hmm. so protecting people is important, and so mm-hmm. if you're gonna have a gun, it, learn how to use it. Learn, make sure it's as safe as possible. And if it's for protecting your house, that's a different conversation. So I don't want to sit here and say Christians shouldn't have guns for the sake of protection because sometimes you need to protect your family. You need to protect people that you, who can't protect themselves. You ever had a situation where someone had to protect you with a gun? Um, Not with a gun, but I mean in kind of a scary context. I had um, a stalker mm. type person in uh, high school. That it went on for years and it started in middle school and he would start following me. And so, how old were you? Uh, when it started, well, actually, honestly, I think it was sixth grade when it started and then it went all the way into high school. So, it started off with him just following me. He went to my school and then, you know, they, the school talked to his parents and um, then he wasn't allowed like separate exits at school. And Golly. then uh, he wasn't allowed to do that. And then so the um, school's trying to protect you. The school was trying to get involved um, to protect what was going on. Cause it was, it was kind of, it was very scary actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he started sending packages to my house. And this is a time before the internet, like you could not get information right, right, right. easily back then. So it was just, creepy. it was super creepy that he like got my address. Did he ever come to your house? 
Um, eventually, years later, he did. And that's when the police got involved. And I had three restraining orders. Mm. Uh, one for me, one for my family, one for my house, like the physical property. And he would just show up and be in the backyard. And so that was a crazy summer where the police were there a lot. Wow. Uh, they had gone to all my neighbors saying, if you see this person, he's dangerous. Like, you need and to call. And you didn't have a gun in the house. We didn't have a gun. But... Uh, I remember the alarm company coming in and putting sensors on every single window in my house and Scary every stuff. door. And they sent me away for that summer for like a month to my oh, uncle's man. to just kind of get away because it was a pretty intense situation. Um, and I came home after that trip, alarm system, all the restraining orders, and it felt like it was such a... It was always showing... It was just very scary. And all of a sudden, like a month went by and I was like... <gasps> he hasn't been around. Like what happened? God, you know, something happened. Was it the prayer? What was it? My mom's like, Oh, I didn't tell you. And I was like, tell me what she's like. Well, well we were, you know, you were out of town. Your dad was the only one home. One of the neighbors called the house and said, he's in your backyard right now. Dude, the guy came into your backyard yeah. while your dad was home. Yeah. And I guess like. Oh my God. What would I do <laughs> if someone came into my house who yeah. was. And, and this guy was For like, my daughter. I mean, sending me pictures of himself framed with like till death do us part like notes and just creepy dark. So your dad didn't have a gun. What do you do? So uh, we lived up on a hill and we knew where this kid lived, at least like the, the general vicinity. So there was only one way down the hill. Okay. And so my dad went in the backyard. He was gone. So he got in his car. And I think my dad was just finally fed up. Like this mm -hmm. was months. This was years mm -hmm. of this, this guy like just being really scary. And um, he went down the hill and in his car and he saw him and he said he just like pulled the car over and like just got the kid by the throat. I mean, he wasn't a kid, he was a teenager at the time, but like just slammed him up against whatever wall he was behind. Oh my gosh. And my dad, if you've ever met my dad, he is the sweetest, <laughs> meekest, like quiet man. Pastor Rudy does all of our <laughs> marriage counseling at the church. I've seen him mad like twice in my life and I wanted to die. Like you don't want to see him mad. He never gets mad. Um, but I think he probably Such a humble, scared, gentle, like, kind guy the bejesus out of this but guy don't jack with his daughter don't jack with his daughter and just like grabbed him by the throat slammed him up against the wall and he's like if you ever try to talk to my daughter if you ever come near my house i will kill you and uh we didn't see him after that so in the comments good dad or bad dad, great dad. let us know Love good you, dad, dad or bad dad so <laughs> it's a great story you're talking about because you're talking about uh, you're not talking about violence so much as you're talking about force. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing is that there's a reason why police officers carry a gun is because, you know, the, and the reason why it's called the force, because their job is to serve and to protect. Yeah. And they're using weapons or they're using batons or they're using guns. These are situations to, uh, to scale. These, these, these are weapons to, 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 to forcefully, you know, keep people safe. Right. So, uh, that service sometimes requires a weapon. And I think the conversation here is, you know, what do you need to protect somebody that you love? Right. Right. And some people say, I don't need a gun. Right. Um, some people would say, you know, whatever. I mean, you're good with nunchucks. I am good. I got nunchucks <laughs> under my pillow. But uh, I don't want to weigh in and say if I have a gun or not, because that would be distracting, I think, for people. Sure. 
Yeah. So I don't know what to say. And plus, somebody might be like, oh, he's going to rob his house. So <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. So we I mean, have I, zero, I also we don't, could have 10. I don't, I don't tell people who I vote for either <laughs> because, like, one time I was at church and it was like, it was like, are you going to Election vote? season. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys want to know who I'm going to vote for? And, every, and like, half of our congregation was like, yeah. Oh, tell us. And the other half of the congregation was like, don't say anything. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, because if I say it, then it becomes distracting. Yeah. And I don't really want to tell you. I feel like you. it also complicates, like, our yeah. own personal yeah. worldview all of us like it, it might complicate faith yeah. and what we want to keep the main thing the main thing the main and the thing. main thing is jesus and us following jesus is yeah. the goal of this podcast yeah. and, and and jesus is anti-violence yeah you know but we do have to protect people so you got to figure out how to do that yeah uh i mean i've had i've had restraining orders not no one's ever applied for me restraining order but what's that called I, you people. have a restraining order on someone yeah, yeah. As, as of you i mean yes. i've had I, I started a church in a laundromat Yeah, together. We did that. And there's a lot of mental health that mm -hmm. comes along with people that live on the street and e people. experiencing yep. homelessness for a reason. Yeah. You know, a lot of the time is mental, mental health. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're doing thousands of loads of laundry for people at laundromats. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then those people are welcome to be a yeah. part of our community of faith. Yeah, they and are. they're bringing some stuff in, you sure. know. And we love that. Mm -hmm. And we love that. So much. Um, you know, the church should be a hospital. Sick people come and get healed. Broken people come and get put back together. And so that being journey. said, it mixes the crowd yeah. with some, <laughs> uh, can I say, riffraff, right? You got some rowdiness going on. So we do have strong security at our church. Yeah. Somebody from our church. Well, used to be from our church. Used to be from our church. Yeah. Got some, an obsession you know, mm -hmm. or something, and they're mentally ill, and they, yeah. they said they were going to kill me, and they were sending emails, hundreds of emails, and telling people they're going to kill me, everyone. and they came to church trying to kill me, and all this kind of stuff, and they're going to put a bullet in my head and all that, right? And um, I had to get a, <laughs> I, I mean, I have stories. I don't need to go into the stories. I need to get into the <laughs> stories. I got some funny stories. But, you know, I don't, I, we have armed security at our church, mm -hmm. I mean, just two weeks ago, there was a shooting at a church. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, it's my, my responsibility as the pastor, as, as a shepherd, to protect the flock. Yeah. And so we have off-duty police officers and strong security protocols. So if anything goes down, we're ready for that. Mm -hmm. We want people to come to church and be able to relax and worship and see their friends and be able to have moments with, you know, experiences with God that are uncomplicated and not be worrying is there going to be an active shooter? What would happen? We got you. We got that stuff. I'm not saying you can have all that perfectly planned out, but we have right. we have that planned out because, and the those armed guards, mm -hmm. you know, that's for protection, mm -hmm. not for violence, but for protection. Right. And so, yeah, I don't know. My my beating a de dead horse or no, not at all. I think yeah. the question that I hope maybe you're asking yourself as. Uh, you're listening to this because I'm asking myself the same question is just, is this some, is this a right that I feel that I'm owed or that I can pick up or, you know, is this something that I can give to the Lord? I think that's just a question in almost any area of our life yeah. that we can ask God, you know? And not all Christians feel the same way. Correct. There's Christians that say, no, I would not go into the military and kill somebody for my country. hundred percent. There are Christians that say, no, I wouldn't own a gun in my house. Right. Um, what should Christians own a gun? I how can you answer that question mm -hmm. when when the truth is is it's politically charged. It's totally. It's you got to talk about your where you live 
and why you need the gun. And at the end of the day, um, God will help you mm-hmm. with that decision. If you submit it to him. I think that's the yeah. big thing, right? If we just are always like, well, I want to do this and I feel like I can do this. That is not a great way to navigate your life. Right. Because our hearts are evil. <laughs> are there, you know, it's flesh so much of the time, our own emotions, our own feelings. And so if you can make decisions that you feel like you have prayed about, that you know the heart of God, in the heart of God on that topic. And it's not fear. And it's not, you're not acting right. You're acting in faith, not in fear. These are great questions to process with any question because then you're not leading yourself. You're letting the Lord lead you to get some help. Get somebody else. Ask your pastor, ask some other people. I mean, I would, I wouldn't jump to answer that question without, I mean, shoot there. I mean, I've given people advice what to do in this situation who felt scared and had stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I would remember what I just read in Romans 12. Yeah. It was at nineteen twenty where he says, don't retaliate. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Yeah. Trust him. Mm-hmm. And uh, if your enemy comes to you, you feed them. Yeah. You, you, you overcome evil with good. And the ultimate demonstration of power is going to be the cross. Jesus yeah. lays his life down willingly for us that's the ultimate form of, of, of power. Mm-hmm. It's a path of, of, of nonviolence. It's a path of surrender. Yeah. So I feel like that was enough time to talk about this. Did you want to add anything else? No. no. All right. Well, let's wrap it up then. Any closing thoughts? Why don't you pray for us? Well, Lord, I pray for the person who says, is the Bible real? And anybody who's searching that on YouTube right now, who's, you know, maybe there's something in the Bible that they, they don't like, and maybe there's something in there and they're like, man, if I can just discount the Bible, then I don't have to do this. Well, I I pray that they would do the work to figure out what they believe and why they believe it. Um, Maybe they're genuinely, genuinely, genuinely just seeking for guidance. And Lord, I know you're going to guide them as they begin to seek you. So I thank you for that. I pray for the person who says, should Christians own a gun? And uh, maybe it's because they feel like they need someone to protect them and they're, they want to get a gun to protect themselves. I pray that they would realize that you, you're with them no matter what. And your word says in John 10 that nothing can snatch you from their good shepherd's hands. And so um, we ask for guidance for them in that, in that decision. And we, we pray that you would bless this podcast, that people would hear this these answers and they would, it would draw them and point them to the person who, the person who gives the best direction, not the people that weigh in on their (laughs) advice because we could be getting this stuff wrong, but we know that when they come to you, you'll take care of them. And so we thank you that faith didn't have to be complicated with you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week.